I thought I heard a sound podcast. Enter at your own peril. Pass the vaulted door where impossible things may happen that the world never seen before. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Mick of I Thought I Heard a Sound in conversation with Mike Erdoti of Temple of Void. How are you doing today, Mike? Hey, not too bad. Uh, how's your How's your summer been? Summer's been okay. Uh, a little busy for me personally, but uh, can't complain. Weather's been, you know, reasonable for the most part. Um, I got my girlfriend coming into town. She's been visiting with me. She's staying the summer with me. She lives over in the L.A. area, so she's way far away so it's kind of nice having her around um yeah we've just kind of been hanging i uh i teach a summer school program so i'm i'm currently working i'm not like totally off school for the summer but uh you know i'm doing that and just kind of been working on school stuff and that's been basically my summer sort of uh laying low and uh we we put the album out it dropped june 3rd so it's kind of just been sitting back sort of taking in the feedback the reviews you know and doing interviews like we're doing right now just any sort of stuff like that that pops up and just kind of enjoying seeing people's reaction to the record and stuff like that and just kind of getting the feedback of what people think and taking in what you know right right and uh to clarify the record is summoning the slayer out now on relapse records um what has been the response uh, to the record from your vantage point uh, from my vantage point, I mean, I'm not like super up on reading like everything, but I get a lot of the stuff like stuff will get posted in the group chat, I'll check out and whatnot. But everything seems to be like pretty resoundingly positive. I mean, you're going to get criticisms with anything that you put out. Uh, but I mean, most of the criticisms and things like that, uh, you know, I, I can understand where they come from and stuff like that. But I think ultimately, you know, we did the record because we wanted to do the record that way. And a lot of the criticisms on it, it was like, well, it's just kind of the way that we wanted to do it. But like overall, I think most of people think that it's it's a good move it's a step in the right direction a lot of a lot of people seems like they think it's a logical progression from the last album so you know it is it seems like for the most part i want to say it's pretty resoundingly positive which is good because i feel like in this day and age you get a lot of finicky people and things like that and it's hard to keep a lot of attention and stuff just with the sheer amount of things that are just coming out so it's it's kind of nice to see that it's pretty well received has there been any response that has surprised you at all, um, either either negative or positive? No, not really. Uh, I kind of, I want to say as far as like negative stuff, a lot of people think uh, the final track on it is a bit out of place, but it's kind of where we wanted to put it and where we felt it fit best. And it was, you know, kind of a decision that we all, de- you know, we all decided. And, uh, but it wasn't without its intention, you know, it was, you know, a lot of stuff has been, you know, kind of through Temple Avoid career from at least my vantage point of like, you know, things that I've contributed, you know, there's little things thrown in just to kind of shake some stuff up. Uh, I know with Alex and Don's riff writing and stuff like that, there was a lot of drawing of outside influence, you know, non-metal influences, you know, things that, you know, influence metal maybe in like odd ways, you know, not, not in the typical way. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of stuff that was thrown in there too make it different you know there's you know there's a lot of just like i said there's a lot of just stuff coming out there's a lot of death metal coming out in particular so it was kind of 
death metal being the genre that it is as far as like being kind of free, you know, of a lot of rules and, and things like that, you know, it's kind of a pushing of extremities, you know, well, you know, push it in a bit of a different extremity, push it in a, you know, I, I guess in some ways you can make the statement that be, you know, trying to create memorable songs and do something good that like kind of resonates and sticks with someone is, you know, a bit of an extremity in a genre where like a lot of stuff, it's very easy to kind of do things that are cavernous and kind of like lots of reverb and in like heavy aesthetic, but you know, a lot of like blurring riffs and things like that, that are hard to discern or like hard to do. I mean, I, I like that kind of stuff, but as far as with Temple of Void, that was kind of with what we wanted to do with the record was uh, Alex put it best. He's kind of, kind of compared it to, you've got your X axis and your, you know, your Y axis, which are like kind of your death and your doom. And it kind of falls somewhere on that, you know, on that graph point, but you know, you also have a Z axis of like the unknown and this outside influence. And this was kind of our way to sort of play with that unknown element a little bit. So and it kind of made for something I think that is unique and a little bit different. And and hopefully from what I, you know, gathered resounding hearing from people, like it's like, seems like people pick up on it and they understand what we were kind of trying to do. So that's good. You know, when you feel like it resonates with the people that, you know, you want it to resonate with. things that you really accomplished on summoning uh, the slayer sort of transitioning from the world that was was that like a lot of those other influences feel more organically integrated like i loved sort of the acoustic sections on uh the world that was and i really liked sort of the space rock elements that kind of flowed in and out but all those things are like more tightly wound together i feel like on summoning the slayer would you would you mind commenting on that Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the world that was and summoning the Slayer, believe it or not, I mean, from you've got release dates and things like that, that kind of hold things up. I, with COVID, there was a lot of like delays, you know, as far as like getting physical copies back from like the, com- you know, from just pressing plants and things like that. But the two albums were written in a fairly short amount of time. So they they do kind of share a little bit of that element, like from the previous ones, like Lords of Death to the world that was, we had a little bit of breathing room on it, you know, like, but the world that was, we wrote it, we released it and it went into the pandemic, but they never really, you know, the rest of the guys like never really stopped writing, you know? So once we went into the pandemic, we already had a good chunk of ideas kind of placed together. And then the songwriting kind of followed in there. So I feel like a lot of those influences still shine, but I feel like they might be, in my opinion, I feel like they're a little more refined and they're a little more like they're placed in because now this is sort of like we have we did what we did with the world that was and now with the next set of material kind of riding off that wave, I feel like it's a little more finely tuned, uh, you know, fats a little trimmed off it and whatnot. And I just think that we used it in a bit more of an effective way. I definitely got that impression. I didn't realize that uh, the world that was and uh, something the Slayer were written in such short order that there was, you know, there was 
wasn't that much of a gap between the writing those two records that they kind of flow together in a way that Lords of Death didn't. And that makes a lot of sense because Lords of Death is a really different album. I love that album. I love how harsh and just gritty the guitar tones are and how aggressive it is. But the, the world that was and Summoning in the Slayer, it feels like those are on a completely different trajectory. Yeah, it, I, it was kind of when the world that was came out, I, I remember there was an interview thing where they it, it was kind of comparing it like a pendulum, you know, so now so now we've got a, you know, a full, uh, you know, three dimensional graph point that we're creating back then it was simply just a pendulum, you know, swinging back and forth, but we were talking between death and doom. And the first album was heavily rooted in doom. I think a lot of those guys were a little more influenced by like hooded menace and things like that back in the day. But then like coming into Lords of death, uh, it was kind of written more as a live record because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff when the writing comes into, it's very, it's very captive of where the band was at the time. So it's not like, Oh, well this person's necessarily go, you know, selling out or going in this like crazy direction. It's just more like, no, this is just kind of where the focus and the feel was at the time. And, you know, with the next one, I felt like with the world that was, it definitely swung more into the doom side, but had a little bit more of that outside influence. And because this one is in such relation to that, that's where it's like this one, I feel like has a bit more of the refinement. But Lords of Death is kind of that weird middle point in there where it was it was written to be a live record. It was written to be aggressive. It was written to whatever. And that's something that we totally still have in us. You know, even with Summoning the Slayer, there was a couple tracks on there like Hex, Curse and Conjuration is probably the shortest and most straightforward death metal track that I think we've ever written. So it's like, it's an influence that isn't, isn't gone. You know, I, that was one of the things kind of going back to maybe some of the criticisms that I had seen where a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, they, they, you know, you have the expectation that you're just going to put out Lords of Death. Like some bands can do that. Like I, I love the fact that Bolt Thrower never compromised their sound their entire career. You know, Bolt Thrower already kind of established an identity with their sound and things like that. I mean, it was like a fairly new genre and they had a very good take on it and aesthetic wise and stuff like that. With us, it was kind of a way for us to sort of work and kind of carve our own identity with it. And Lords of Death kind of captured who we were at that point. And uh, it's not saying that we'll never release another aggressive album in that vein or something that sounds like it because it is part of Temple of Void sound. So it's just kind of like one of those where it's like you can't really judge it as a direction of the band. It's more or less just kind of a sort of a snapshot of what we were at that point in the writing and where we felt, I mean, what went on in our personal lives, what went on in, you know, our our careers, what went on in, you know, just in relation to what else is happening in music at the time. Yeah, and I feel like Summoning the Slayer is still an aggressive album. I mean, you still play fast. (laughs) There's still some really aggressive riffs on it, and there's still some of that animal instinct in there. I don't think you've lost that really at all. You've just added more to the repertoire. At least that's from my perspective. So as as, uh, as far as the direction that the band is going, something that has come up a lot in the discussion around the album and your last one is that you're headed in more of a peace feel three direction can kind of see that uh just because those bands were very experimental and they weren't you know they weren't afraid to kind of test the boundaries of doom metal and death metal uh for their period but i also don't feel like you are going in that type of direction (laughs) and i wonder if you can if you can just sort of set me straight here how much do bands like paradise lost and my dying bride how much do they influence your sound now and do you sort of self sort of heading in that tradition right now or do you feel like you're kind of breaking new ground 
I feel like the I feel like something in the Slayer is an album where those influences uh, kind of particularly shine. But there's something that's always been there. Uh, I even from the very first album, even a little bit from the uh, even a little bit from the you know even the demo. I would say I, it's an influence that's always kind of been there, and it's actually really funny. I think uh, thinking back to reviews, uh, somebody is at the demo where it's like, well, I don't really hear the you know it's it states that it's influenced by Catatonia paradise lost but i don't really hear it and it's like it's there but now it's more prominent i feel like with the way that the songs were going uh building off of the world that was uh i think it lended to a little bit of a uh i I think the the fact that we were focusing on on writing things that were memorable memorable songwriting that you know is going to stick with you and that is one thing that i do appreciate about about paradise lost and about like catatonia and my dying bride i get the tapping part from what is it extinction mankind or whatever the off of angel in the dark river or cry of mankind uh off angel in the dark river all the time just like little melodic lines that like stay with you and i feel like with don and alex's riff writing in that and with brent coming in with the low end i think they all interplayed really well to kind of capture a lot of those elements like heavy melodies that are going to resonate with you not just like the lyrics or like the vocal hook there's a lot of like catchiness happening in all instruments that are happening on the album you know everything is like very composed to like intertwine well together and you know there there's certain things where like not everything constantly takes the spotlight like it shifts and it comes in and it moves where it should but at the end of the day you know and that's something that i think that we definitely kind of took from the peaceville three and i think it does shine a little more on this album like i love uh for example i love catatonia uh, catatonia's discouraged ones i thought we kind of captured a little bit of that or we touched a little bit of that on uh the world that was but now with summoning the slayer i felt like with songs like death touch and even though i didn't really do any like clean vocals on like the majority of like the actual like one like the death metal side to it it it's still there, you know, like that kind of like the soundscapes on that album, like depressive ones versus, you know, trying to kind of mimic that. It's still like the vocals are still rooted in the death doom side, but yeah, I mean, the peaceful three stuff has always been there. And I think that it's, it's a little bit easier to digest and a little bit easier to pick out this time. But I mean, it's, it's always going to be an influence in future songwriting as well. Like I think this album's a lot more balanced. I think a lot of people gravitate towards peaceful three thing, but like I said, we've got some of the fastest and, you know shortest like just one two punch material that we've ever done on this album i think behind the eye the opening track is you know pretty straightforward just kind of like plotting death you know death metal song so there is you know it's not just you know kind of focused on the peaceful three i just think that the influence is a little bit easier to, to grasp onto now it's not as i guess overt and buried yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking about it, you know, maybe as like the difference between like maybe a dark wizard and a dark paladin. You, you guys are maybe more of a dark paladin, you know, can still cast spells of illusion and throw fireballs and stuff, maybe heal yes. people. Yeah, but you can also whack somebody with a mace if you need to. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you've got some magic at your disposal, but you're still mostly just a brute. Is that an unfair characterization? No, I don't think that's it. I, I don't think that. I think that's actually very spot on. And I'm sure Alex would definitely appreciate the, uh, you know, appreciate the fantasy references and the, you know, the tabletop kind of nod stuff. Yeah, I, uh, 
I fully agree with you. Yeah, there it's it's still it, I, I think Temple of uh, Temple of Void in general is like characterized by being a very uncompromisingly heavy band, but it's it's a weird blend of like you know like that american death metal that very like just bludgeoning brutal you know brutality but it also can kind of shift and morph into more somber and melodic territory and and that's one of the things i like about death doom in general like death doom has like that ability to actually like really incorporate some beautiful melodicism and and stuff that you could bring into that and it's kind of a cool contrast because I mean, I feel like me coming in as a vocalist, I did my bit to shape what I could, but they kind of had that heaviness there and that melody. And it, it was kind of there from even the beginning kind of coming in. And I feel like we've been better about honing that. So it's like, yeah, it's we're still a brutal death metal band, but the, you know, it's it's a good mix and it's a good blend of being able to do that. And I think that's that's hard to do for a lot of bands. I that otherwise that's more bands would probably do that. But uh, I mean, it's it's hard to kind of take and balance two completely different extremes, I guess. Following up on some of the things you've said about some of the uh, different influences that uh, Alex and some of the other members have sort of brought into your sound, I pick up a lot of space rock on on your records, like especially in the in the guitar tones. And I keep thinking of bands like Failure uh, when I you know hear some of the uh, guitar work that is appearing on your albums. Could you talk about some of the other influences that are maybe not metal, you know, that are making their way into your sound and how they kind of manifest in the mix yeah alex would actually be very uh very happy that you mentioned failure specifically alex is a huge failure fan too i i like failure a lot but from my perspective kind of contributing to temple of void like failure doesn't really come out of my contribution you know i mean like you, you can't really draw failure out of like my vocals but uh, or like a lot of you know like the more acoustic instrumentation but alex is 100 influenced by that uh alex really took to a lot of like pedals and he's kind of amassed himself a pretty decent collection of stuff, you know, and just kind of experimenting with soundscapes and things like that and sort of a shoegazy sense. I know he's a huge fan of Ride, you know, My Bloody Valentine, that sort of stuff. So I know that stuff shines in there. A lot of 90s, even like alternative or like grunge scene stuff kind of come from the guitars in there. Like I know they draw a lot from like the sort of the creepy vibe that Alice in Chains made a lot with their material. You know, I, I think a lot of that shines through in the writing, you know, just sort of like simple, but effective, heavy riffing, um, maybe some, you know, choice of, you know, layering guitar stuff. Like Jerry Cantrell was always good about taking like a heavy riff, but then like layering something a little weird, kind of maybe kind of dissonant under it. They were good about kind of doing that. They had good interplay in that sense, because I think they both sort of took a influence from, I guess, sort of the Alice in Chains song craft in that regard. I definitely know Failure was a huge influence with with Alex. I know he's a big fan. He was citing Quicksand and a lot of that. And I think a lot of that comes too in the tones too, because I feel like a lot of the tones that we use, because we, we worked with Arthur uh, Risk and uh, we went out to uh, Philadelphia to record with him. And I remember he had asked like, what kind of album tones were we looking for? You know, that sort of thing. And I think a I, I can't really say with them, you'd have to ask them directly, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of the stuff that they cited for like tones were mostly non-death metal you know per se and uh there's a little more i think in the guitar tone on there i think you'd 
kind of nail it with the space rock thing because there's a lot of breathability with the guitar tone there's a lot of like there there's not a lot of like fighting there's so much like with a lot of death metal there's a lot of like compression and there's a lot of you know it's such a heavily distorted genre like with this and in death doom kind of lends to that too i think with like the slower riffs and kind of the more like somber melodic lines that could be out in front where it's like there's a lot more breathing room so i think that you know you kind of pick up on the space vibe because there is more space you know kind of going on with the internet with the instruments and stuff nothing's really like competing tonally i i definitely would say that uh Lots of lots of shoegaze, lots of you know atmospheric rock stuff in there. Uh, I know growing up, I was I was a big fan of Cave In, you know, so I I'm a big fan of that kind of spaced out and you know a lot of uh, over the top pedal you know pedal usage. And uh, I know for me, when I usually do like because I'll do acoustic stuff, that's kind of like my guitar contribution to the band is usually like acoustic stuff or like some maybe some embellishment stuff here and there but i know with mine i kind of brought in i'm a big psychedelic guy i love like i love 60s psychedelia i love like 70s prog you know i love i love is heavy 70s music i love that sort of bridge between rock and heavy metal that like late 70s early 80s new wave of british heavy metal like early you know early swedish traditional heavy metal like i love all that kind of stuff so it was kind of cool to bring in a little bit of that influence uh on my end is uh with like 60s sort of psychedelia with the last track and yeah i know uh jason our drummer is a huge fan of bands like killing joke i like killing joke a lot too but like i think that kind of adds to his sort of like primal you know just just his primal style of drumming yeah i mean there's there's you know the goth rock a little bit of a little bit of hardcore probably in there i know a lot of those guys are big fans of hardcore yeah there's just there's so much going on i think everybody in the band in general is just fans of music overall you know it's not just listening to one particular genre so you do you can draw influence from here and here and here and you know you i listen to things outside of the metal realm and i'll go hey that would be kind of cool to use in this sort of a metal context and honestly that's where like i said before that's you know that's probably the easiest way to kind of build your own identity and and sort of build your own sound or find things that are recognizably you, you know, you create things that are new or you like utilize things in unique ways. So I definitely would say that, yeah, the shoegaze and a lot of like grunge rock and a lot of like weird 60s psychedelic music and all that stuff plays plays a weird pivotal role in how the album came out and how it ultimately sounded. Okay, cool. One of the things that uh, that I had read ended up influencing that final track, uh, Disillusion, um, which is a more acoustic track, you know, more wandering in its melodies, uh, kind of reminds me of something that might appear in like a Ralph Bakshi uh, move. That's at least the impression that I got. Yeah. So how how does that style of you know softer psychedelic uh, folk music overlay with the type of death metal that you're doing? Do you feel like there's a direct line between those you know styles, or do you feel like uh, do you feel like you you are kind of like breaking open death doom to kind of fit this this thing in and that's just totally your own identity um i would say yeah i don't think it does i mean it, it at least not from like a very macro like looking in or like looking at it from like a very like glossing over perspective uh i feel like it can but you really have to work and you have to make it work as far as 
the song, yeah, that was, I mean, I, I ended up playing well, Omar did a lot of the orchestration arrangements. Omar was our friend, uh, who one of Alex's friends that has helped us with every album, like kind of helping with like a lot of the atmosphere and soundscape. And he helped with the orchestration part of that. And then I had taken that stuff cause that was, um, material that I had put together during COVID. And I put together a lot of material and I kind of sat through and I'm like, okay, well, what, you know, what is this in this context? What would be the most usable for Temple of Void? You know, and I started kind of looking through and everything. And this one made the most logical sense to it. And it was kind of originally written and I felt like it kind of demanded vocals over it. So it was like, okay, well, how are we going to do something different that we haven't done before? Which is kind of a recurring theme that we've tried to do with every album. And for me, with the acoustic instrumental stuff, the first album I did one that was kind of a lot of layers. It was like maybe three or four different acoustics and it came out good. I, I was very proud of it and happy. And then with Lords of Death, I was like, OK, well, instead of doing one longer song, I'm going to kind of break it and do maybe two different interludes to kick off both sides. And then uh, World That Was, it was just kind of more like a classical piece that was kind of influenced by uh, one of our drummer Jason's best friends who had passed, who was actually a very like very 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 talented uh guitar player and he was very influenced by like a lot of classical stuff and he and jason did a thing called the motor city troubadours where they did you know a lot of gigs around town just kind of playing you know playing more like latin influenced and classical flamenco style guitar stuff so when it came time for this album it was like okay well this is what we've done leading up to it what can i do to make it different and it was like, well, I'm not going to do clean vocals on the album because I would like, be, I, I've already kind of anticipated people, you know, you're working with a producer. It's a little bit more slick sounding. Uh, the songs are a little bit more memorable. They've got a bit of a pop sensibility to it. So I'm like, I want to keep the album rooted in death metal. And if I am going to do clean vocals, I'm going to do it on this. And it's going to kind of, and it's like, okay, well, we haven't ended an album like this. So it works as kind of a good closer and we all kind of talked and we were like, well, we think it makes a good statement. And I figured and it ended up, be, I, it's been a good talking point. We're talking about it here right now. So I kind of assumed that it's going to be in there and it was going to kind of ruffle some feathers and it was going to shake people who were either going to really like it or they were going to not like it. But I mean, I kind of did it for myself just the same way that Alex and Don and Brent and Jason kind of incorporated their own influences into the album. So it was kind of an album that, I mean, it's, it's a bit self-indulgent in that regard. I mean, we, we did what we wanted to do and what we wanted to hear. And we had the opportunity to work, you know, go and travel and work with somebody, you know, that had, were able to kind of capture our sound very well. And, you know, we didn't have to worry about that aspect. It was just kind of let's make the best music and let's make it sound as good as we can and bring in what, you know, what we want to make the album sound kind of good as we, you know, something we're satisfied as, uh, you know, with as a whole package. So with that song in particular, with me, like I said, I, I figured, we never ended an album that way. I thought it made a good statement. I thought, you know, I anticipating criticisms. It was just kind of like, well, I mean, some of my favorite stuff from Black Sabbath is the fact that they could go from being like an incredibly heavy band, especially for their time, and then go in and Tony Iommi can go into, you know, some sort of beautiful guitar interlude. And that's stuff that I've always liked. And I've always appreciated other bands that were able to do that, you know, <laughs> even in albums where it doesn't make sense, like uh, uh, Ravens Wiped Out. Uh, it has probably one of the one of my favorite acoustic instrumental tracks in the middle of a rocking new wave of British heavy 
heavy metal album, you know, it, and it's just kind of one of those where it's like everybody kind of put their own taste and their own spin on stuff. And that was kind of my way of being like, okay, well, I'm going to do something that I want to do and we'll see how it goes. And, and the identity side, what you were saying with it is I kind of looked at it as, okay, well, this is something that I've been able to do. And this is something that I like to do. And it's something that maybe not a lot of other people in the genre want to do or can do. So I'd rather just do something that maybe other people can't do or do some, you know, I, I figure that's the best way to kind of draw some attention, build, build some of that identity that we're talking about. So it's kind of one, it, it was what it was. It was like the song, the ideas, the things like that kind of came together in the time frame, And it was the best one that I thought best complimented the album. And we all kind of agreed that it made a good closer and it was, it was something different. And that's kind of what we wanted was just sort of that fresh air take. Let's try and do something different. It's not out of the realm to have melodic parts or acoustic parts and death metal albums at the gates have done it. You know, the Gorguts have done it. You know, <laughs> even Morbid Angel has done it. You know, it's it's not like a out there sort of thing, but to kind of add like weird psychedelic elements to it, maybe add the somber vocals. I think it worked well as far as the song itself, it's individual songcraft, but yeah, as far as the album, it's just another point in the album where, you know, we wanted to make something that was new and different and recognizable and something that like something that we made for ourselves that kind of satisfied our own artistic, you know, scratched our own artistic itch, so to speak. So do you feel like that itch has been thoroughly scratched at this point, or do you think you're going to continue to write songs in that vein? Um, Are we going to be getting more moody death out of, out of Temple of Void? I don't know if I would say that it's been scratched. I, it, like I said, everything is just kind of a, it's very captive, you know, it's very capturing of like where we were at that moment and kind of what we were feeling or like influenced by. And I wouldn't say that any of it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it, it can all kind of come together. It's just kind of, you know, what <laughs> what sort of creative you know, manifests from whatever creative energy is, you know, when we're going into record. But I know with me personally, like, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I would do it again. I, I would if I felt inspired to do it again. It, it really kind of comes down to I have to be inspired to do it. I'm not just going to do it because I want to or I think that it's going to it's going to be well received because I kind of did it knowing that it probably wouldn't be well received. It's kind of, that's where it was. And that was what was influencing me. And that's kind of what I felt at the time. So if I feel that way again, yes, it's totally in there. Just the same as, you know, with any of the other tracks that are on the album, you know, as far as like the riff writing process goes, you know, any of it is, is a possibility to be seen again. I can't say where we're going to be with the next one. I, I always love writing death metal and straightforward death metal. And I like writing weird death metal and, and all that. So, I mean, I hope to do a little bit of all of it, you know, when it comes time for the next album, but I don't think we have plans to stop. We're kind of taking a little bit of a break and time off. Like I said, the bask into stuff but i think when we get back into writing it's still going to be the same the same process you know we're still going to kind of come in with the template of you know crushingly heavy riffs weird somber melodic parts and you know finding that way to make them fit in you know the best ways that we can make it work you know and some days you know some songs might end up a bit more peaceful three sounding some songs might sound a little more straightforward death metal some songs may sound you know weird and out there you know playing up that z axis i guess 
So it's all a possibility. I can't really say where it is because we haven't started writing for the next album, but where it is, we'll find that springboard and we'll all kind of put our piece in because everybody puts their fingerprints on the songs. You know, everybody's got a hand in the crafting. So, you know, we'll all bring our influences and it's going to come out just kind of how it comes out. But we know who we are well enough that we're not looking to reinvent the wheel with every album. But as the listener, you're also not going to really necessarily know exactly what you're going to get. So don't expect Summoning the Slayer Part 2 for the next No, I, I would say definitely not expect Summoning the Slayer Part 2. You can expect maybe songs that feel like they belonged on it, but overall, the next album's going to be its own creature, just the same as Lords of Death is nothing like Summoning the Slayer. But they all have that overarching, you know, Death Doom umbrella that they kind of reside. Yeah, overall, though, like, they're vastly different. They're influenced by different parts of it. Or they're, you know, kind of written more, like I said, Lords of Death to be more of a live record, more upbeat, more in your face and aggressive. You know, there could be more elements of that coming back. There could be, you know, more of a, you know, kind of traditional style death doom, you know, elements of the first album or the, you know, the demo. So it's all just kind of where we are, where we're writing at the time. Is there anything about the album or where the band is right now that uh, we didn't touch on during this interview that you'd like to speak to or kind of address? No, I think we're pretty good, man. I uh, I think we pretty much touched a lot of like kind of address where we were at, kind of how the album goes. I, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Well, um, again, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, just chatting with me about your album, talking to me about your band. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think that what you're doing is pretty cool right now, especially in the world of death metal. And uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate you just uh, just chatting with a, with a fan for his blog <laughs> for a no, while. And, no, and thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. And, and like I said, I... I feel like the right people will kind of get it and it will resonate with it. And like, if you're really that closed off about your death metal and you don't be, you don't want to approach it with an open mind, that's fine too. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not meant for everybody and it's not meant to please everybody. But I mean, we definitely went in with it where we wanted to make something that satisfied us and hopefully resonated with the people that kind of understand where we're coming from. So thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the album. Thank you for inviting me out to actually have an interview and and with you for your blog. I I appreciate it. No, thank you so much for the support. It means the world. It truly does. 